Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our listeners. Welcome back to Diversified, the podcast where we bring on and interview thought leaders, individuals who are pushing the DAO space forward, particularly those that focus on operations, treasury management, and a lot of back office functionality. Uh, we're really excited today to bring on uh, a very special guest. Uh, some of you might know him as $1,500 Badger, but how he's been leading um, treasury as well as uh, financial operations at BadgerDAO for, for quite some time now. And so before I hand it off to him, though, I uh, just want to say this is presented by Bond Protocol, the leader in permissionless bond marketplaces for asset acquisition, treasury diversification, and runway extension, also providing options liquidity mining solutions. Uh, so without further ado, I uh, would love to introduce Hal. So Hal, how the heck are you? And uh, you want to give everyone just a quick overview of who you are and how you got into the space. Hey guys, Hal here. Excited to be here. Excited to talk about um, treasuries and DAOs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, stumbled into the space. I mean, I guess you could call it sort of by accident. I mean, I've always been very intrigued by just about everything in life. Um, I had, I you know, my background's um, actually academia um, in physics research. And then I ended up uh, sort of getting headhunted uh, into the hedge fund world, uh, was there for a little while, um, and then, you know, basically wanted to strive out on my own, uh, figure out what I was going to do on my own, and then accidentally sort of stumbled into the DAO space. Um, I, you know, I, I basically discovered DAOs, I think, the same way that most people discover cryptos, which is like, you know, opening up uh, CoinGecko and just <laughs> scrolling through things and being like, what the heck is this? What is that? What is that? And then I was like, oh, okay, th this idea of a decentralized autonomous organization um, sounds really cool. Oh, sorry about that. Let me uh, mute my phone so that doesn't happen again. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, you know, started researching what these things were doing. I mean, everyone had heard about Yearn if you were in the in the space and then you know uniswap came along and um yeah i discovered this thing called badger which at the time uh you know was creating uh a, a basically a yield farming for bitcoin products and then also you know they had this thing called dig but the whole the whole point of badger coming out was um you know to create space for bitcoin inside of DeFi, and i really like that idea because um i like bitcoin a lot i wouldn't consider myself a maximalist, but um, I'm I'm a I'm a big Bitcoin holder, and I uh, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin, and so Badger just made a lot of sense to me if I was going to explore the uh, the DAO universe plus the uh, the Bitcoin universe at the same time, uh, and yeah, I kind of um, sort of forced my way into the DAO by uh, you know I I, I would. I became what people call an activist investor. I bought a whole bunch of Badger. I put a bunch of money into the ecosystem. And then I just started talking a lot in the uh, um, Discord. And eventually, you know, some people from the team messaged me and said, hey, you're, you know, you're putting in a lot of... And, and, and I was doing some uh, what we, you would call like quantitative research. So I was, you know, I was taking some data that, that was available about changes that Badger had made and, um, you know, plotting some some visuals and stuff like that and going back to the DAO and saying, Hey, look, uh, you know, you guys made these changes and here were the positive results from them, et cetera. And so, uh, yeah, they sort of was like, Hey, we need, uh, 
we need some more work on the treasury side of things. You have this background in, in finance and you're quantitative, et cetera. Um, do you want to come on board? And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I could make the, the story even longer if you want, but that's kind of, uh, kind of it. Uh, the only other side to that is that I do also have my own personal newsletter, uh, called foot guns with, um, my mentor that was at the hedge fund I used to work for, um, him and I uh, do a podcast as well where we talk very broadly about uh, like how crypto fits into finance and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I've just been really deep in Badger, uh, deep in my newsletter. And actually, as of recently, um, I'm now working for some other treasuries, though uh, I'm not allowed to really talk about that on this podcast because they uh, they're trying to keep themselves a little quiet. <laughs> Sure thing. Um, and we'll give enough time to dive into your work at, at Badger. Um, but specific to like the concept of treasury management, it, it means different things to different crypto projects. There, there's many different strategies, but there are core pillars and tenets that are that are common across them. So within kind of the broad definition of, of treasury management, um, like how would you define it? What are some of the core pillars, tenets and uh, disciplines that are required in order to do it properly? Uh, you know, we, we talk about core. I, I, I spend a lot of time looking at how other DAOs are, are managing their treasuries. Um, and, you know, I, I think in DeFi particularly, uh, most of these treasuries are held in multi-sigs or, you know, some form of on, on-chain, uh, hopefully a multi-sig with, with plenty of signers. Um, so there's, there's this, you know, core principle, I would say, of just... Um, you know, what do you call it, like safety on chain or, or, you know, understanding that you are interacting, you know, with these protocols on chain, and you're trying to preserve capital, you don't want to get hacked, etc. Um, you know, the, the, the next big thing that comes to my mind is like runway, which um, I don't really know very many Dow treasuries that aren't concerned with runway. I think um, most Dow treasuries are trying to preserve the runway of the Dow. Um, and then, uh, stable coins is a big one. Um, just, you know, having, having a certain amount of stable coin in your treasury as part of your runway. And then, um, the other thing I would say is like, um, what we call, what we used to call treasury controlled liquidity and now everybody calls protocol owned liquidity. Um, and that's the idea of the treasury being essentially a market maker, um, that, you know, allows your token to have have liquidity so people can, you know, have a good user experience trading in and out of it. Um, nothing else is really coming to the top of my head other than, you know, maybe some more stuff from TradFi, which is, you know, like just standard risk management and, and those sorts of things. You, you bring up a lot of like really interesting points, though, as far as um, ensuring you have enough runway, capital preservation, a diversity of assets, and just stewarding resources for the next phase of the project's growth. And looking at BadgerDAO, uh, the treasury is pretty immaculate within the context of its composition. Um, like it, it looks like you have ample stables, like runway seems to be great. You're, you're holding protocol on liquidity of Badger specific tokens and associated derivatives. Um, so for, for projects that are starting off or, you know, they've just bootstrapped some initial liquidity, how do they sequence priorities between preserving capital, between diversification, having enough runway? How did Badger approach this? Yeah, it's a really great, great question. And I think, um, you know, uh, to toot my own horn here a little bit. Um, 
one of the things that Badger did, which I think is fantastic, and I hope others, um, it, you know, it'd be awesome to hear others' feedback on it. We haven't ever really heard very much feedback on it, honestly. Um, but yeah, a couple of years ago now, it's crazy that it's been a couple of years, um, we created and drafted and got passed through uh, a BIP, which is a Badger improvement proposal um, voted on by the token holders, um, which is this treasury management policy and you can actually go you know uh read it yourself uh, at the badger forums if you just go into badger improvement proposals it is uh number 89 uh, i spend i i constantly go back and read it and uh, i'm really proud of it it is um it has lasted through time we have spent a lot of effort trying to change it and no one has been able to change it um and Basically, it outlines, um, the, you know, it creates and then outlines this uh, Treasury Council. And the idea is to, you know, sort of create this like democratic republic where the token holders, uh, you know, aren't going to spend all their time going in the nitty gritty of Treasury management. So you empower a group of we chose nine people and there needs to be a five out of nine majority vote for things to happen. Uh, and then there's just some very simple rules that were set, which is, um, you know, how much of the token can you, uh, how much of the native token can you move? Um, how much of non-native assets can you take a position size in? How much runway do you need? Um, you know, it talks about ETH runway as well. Um, and yeah, maybe there are some things that are missing in it. But, I, you know, I think those are really good things to start thinking about, which is, you know, basically empowering a group of people to uh, manage the treasury still in a decentralized way, right? Five, five of nine is, is uh, quite a bit of a, uh, of a large group. If you were a really small protocol, you might want to start with three of five or something like that uh, with the intention of, of getting to a bigger group later on. Um, and then, yeah, just having some, some rules set around, um, you know, how much runway are you aiming for? Personally, you know, uh, I think that's, that's an opinion of, uh, of, whoever it is that wants the policy, right? Like six months, one month, two years. Uh, and also maybe has to do with like how much funding you have. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we have a, we have an allocation of stable coins that's required to be there. Uh, it has to be a certain percentage of the portfolio. Um, and then, yeah, uh, you know, basically the risk management side of it is, is, Hey, if you, if you do something with the treasury and it grows, grows into a large position, then, uh, you know, it needs to be, uh, rebalanced and, and brought back into the rest of the portfolio, basically. Um, and yeah, I think the other thing that I'll add, which is a lot more complicated of a question, uh, which in Badger, we've chosen to do this outside of treasury management is the, uh, the dedicated protocol owned liquidity. So the token holders have voted on through a BIP. Um, to keep a certain amount of uh, protocol liquidity uh, for the Badger token in UniV3 in certain ranges. And that is sort of like golden, like the uh, the treasury team is not allowed to touch that. Uh, however, you know, what the treasury team has done is found ways to uh, increase that liquidity, you know, uh, in, in different protocols and with, with yield farming incentives, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, a big focus is on basically just how to leverage that native token, right, to, to get the most out of it.
This is fascinating. So um, just to kind of play it back here, the initial focus was to create a, a proposal and a clear framework for which like uh, there would be ideal treasury composition across stables, maintaining a certain amount of runway, and then determining uh, a golden level of protocol-owned liquidity that y'all couldn't touch. Um, but you concluded by bringing up the the quest for generating yields. And there, there can be kind of like these warring factions between like, hey, let's put our treasury assets to work, but also being... Um, cautious as far as the risk that is introduced by trying to generate yield from treasury assets. So how does BadgerDAO think about yield generation of treasury and how does it weigh risks and quantify them? Yeah, actually, that's another part of that um, treasury proposal, which again, I would, you know, <laughs> I'd love I'd love to see other people adopt it or at least, um, you know, forms of it. Um, in that uh, treasury management proposal, there's actually an outline um, for, you know, let's just call it an investment, right? It's, it's a, it's a position. Um, so if, if someone on the treasury wants to, you know, move anything, have any kind of transaction that goes on in the treasury, then they have to go write one of these um, treasury proposals. And um, we, we call them TCDs, treasury council decisions. Um, and so they're, you know, basically what they have to do is do some background research and then you need to present what you actually want to do. And then there's a list of, you know, standard risks that need to be addressed. And, uh, you know, we assign a value of, of zero through 10. And the idea is not to, um, you know, have some perfect quantitative model, but to have a general perception of what the risk is. And, uh, you know, for us, one of the biggest risks is what we call protocol risk. Um, which is basically just, you know, you're putting money into a smart contract that even though it's been audited, it might have been audited 50 times, etc. Um, there is still a risk associated with that. And so we just assign uh, a number um, based on the number of protocols. So for instance, um, if you're familiar with like convex finance, convex is built on top of curve. Um, so, you know, you would assign that something like three because you're on Ethereum, on Curve, on Convex, right? So if one of those three things break, uh, the whole system's going down. I mean, you know, uh, you could also normalize Ethereum out, right? Because most of the stuff we're talking about is being on Ethereum. So if Ethereum goes down, uh, you're, we're all pretty much screwed, right? Uh, <laughs> so we that's like the inherent risk of the business, basically. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you're using a new protocol. There's a protocol risk. The other thing we, you know, we've looked at is... Um, like the the Lindy effect, right? So uh, the longer a protocol has been there, the less likely it is to get hacked. Um, you know, uh, give or take is true. Um, so you know, we we'll we'll mention that. You know, so okay, something's been around for a long, long time. We consider it low risk. If something's brand new, we'll consider it high risk. Um, and then the rest are actually like just from TradFi, which is uh, you know market risk. Um, you know, counterparties. Uh, vault. You know. Um, uh, what's another one uh, you know like volatility um you know how, can you get in and out of the position uh, I'm, I'm blank i'm blanking on the correct uh, terminology right now but uh yeah th you know those are the things that we focus on and and then that gets um you know looked at by the nine members of the treasury policy, uh team and you know we 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 correct it and you know someone might mention oh i don't you know this is too low of a risk or i think it's higher etc um, and then, yeah, you know, since Badger is building smart contracts, um, the treasury team will go to the uh, development team and have them 
you know, just double check. Hey, look, we're about to stick money into this protocol. Do you, you know, is there red flags? And, um, you know, uh, the thing about investing, right, is, you know, if there if there is no risk uh, and you have a reward, then most likely it's too good to be true. So we will oftentimes uh, at Badger, you know, put some money into a protocol that has some known issue. For instance, um, if there's a two of three multi-sig, right, that's not really ideal, um, but if we're going to put in a very small amount of money, that's fine. We've actually had, uh, we've actually requested protocols to upgrade their, uh, you know, issues that we've had before we put money in. And, and some of them have actually gone and done it, um, you know, where we wouldn't have put the money in anyways. No, this is fascinating. Um, but I guess Dow operations and treasury management at Badger Dow just didn't happen overnight. And I'm sure you ran into a lot of challenges, whether it was associated with kind of decision-making and governance or, or otherwise. So what are some of the biggest obstacles that BadgerDAO has faced in getting its treasury to this ideal composition? And how did you step through them? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, let's, uh, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room, right? Um, as, uh, yeah, the month, the month I got hired at Badger, almost exactly one month later, um, there was a, you know, UI exploit and, uh, was it 120 million dollars was uh was stolen from people depositing into the protocol um and so you know all work was halted on actually that that treasury policy um and badger um you know made the decision uh through voting you know through bips not through treasury team uh to return you know initially i think it was 10 million dollars um of bitcoin to the people that had lost their money uh, which I think was one of the most generous uh, responses to a hack that's that's actually like ever happened, as far as I understand, uh, where the money wasn't returned or wasn't able to be uh, returned. Uh, and so that put a huge, huge um, dent in the treasury. Right. It 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 created a lot of stress, um, you know, uh, 10 million dollars of runway. Right. That's that's multiple years of developing uh, for a small protocol uh, in DeFi. So. Uh, immediately there was a lot of stress on the treasury um a lot basically you know a lot of the flexibility that the treasury had was taken away and it became you know very much you know how do we survive how do we uh how do we have enough runway how do we you know can we still find ways to make money with the treasury right can we uh even though it's so small and and precious now that that it's been you know, drained from from this unfortunate incident. Um, and then, you know, that's probably like the biggest thing that we've had to go and, and stress under. Um, most honestly, like, you know, that was a pretty bad thing to happen, right? So compared to that, like almost everything that we've done since then has been like, just fantastic and golden. I mean, we've gotten really lucky in, in the Badger Treasury. We found some great opportunities. I don't know if you know about uh, Aura Finance, but we were able to um, get in there very, very early and create some some really unique uh, yield opportunities uh, for the Badger Treasury. We actually made uh, quite a considerable amount. Uh, you know, I'm talking like millions of uh, through yield farming there. Um, so that was a huge boon uh, and and you know nice recovery from our from our awful uh, mishap. Um, but yeah, the most of what has, let's say, like 
concerned us and put stress on us is sort of like how to go forward from here, especially in the bear market uh, where there's a lot less people around and that sort of thing. Um, you know, where are the opportunity, where, where are there new opportunities? Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, a, a focus, a real big focus on preserving this runway. We did have um, a few scares, right? We had, uh, um, you know, that, that, that stable coin uh, issue earlier this year, right? When Silicon Valley bank um, blew up, and you know our stables started decoupling from uh, from being equal to a dollar. Um, we did a bit of, of risk management there, so we now have a have a more diversified holding of stables uh, than we did uh, specifically LUSD, which uh, has a has a different risk portfolio uh, profile than than other these other stable coins since it's backed by Ether. Um, yeah, and then a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it has just been on on. Um, well, do we need to change this treasury uh, management policy, and how would we change it? Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and start talking about um, EBTC, right? Because, uh, yeah, EBTC is is this product that uh, the development team at Badger has been created. And, uh, you know, the treasury wants to play a role in that, um, specifically around providing liquidity or providing yield opportunities, et cetera. So um, there's been lots and lots of discussion uh, around that. And I would say like the sort of headache there, again, relates back to that, you know, the original hack, which is, you know, the treasury is down $10 million than what it would be. And so that creates a bit of a constraint. And we have to be clever about, you know, how we're going to actually provide liquidity while also, you know, supporting the Badger token um, and, and, and that sort of thing. So how do you actually approach um, providing liquidity for EBTC as part of a new project? Like what's top of mind for you and what techniques and strategies are you planning on employing? Let's save a little bit of uh, <laughs> some, some secrets for the future. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've been very successful. Um in yield farming on these different protocols like convex and uh uh balancer and aura um there's this new protocol uh liquis i don't know if you've heard of them um so yeah we're you know we're we're basically scouring the DeFi landscape for you know trustworthy protocols that you can have liquidity and maybe create incentives um you know we we've been a huge fan of hidden hands at badger um you know that's where you can bribe uh, with the Badger token to these various protocols, um, which you know creates incentives for liquidity providers. Uh, it's it's a really efficient process, um, and actually, you know, a lot of the time actually returns a positive ROI for the treasury itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, just some basic principles are um, get enough liquidity somewhere where the where the treasury owns, you know, a a large chunk of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be the majority, but I mean, majority would be ideal. And then, um, you know, either using the Badger token or other tokens that are in our treasury uh, to incentivize those liquidity pools through hidden hands. Um, and then, yeah, uh, you know, always on the lookout for, I think what, what we've, we've uh, deemed flywheels, right. Which is, you know, where, where are these places where we can provide liquidity, where there's actually like a positive feedback back loop, you know, often deriving from trading fees, et cetera. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think, I think UniV3 um, 
is is really important uh, with something like EBTC because it allows you to provide you know concentrated liquidity around a certain range, and EBTC is supposed to be pegged, right? So um, it's it's a really efficient way to provide liquidity. Uh, so yeah, the DAO will be doing some something like that uh, from the Treasury side of um, you know having a base liquidity pool on UniV3 and then searching for these incentivized liquidity pools on, on other protocols. And maybe even, you know, uh, cross-chain stuff like Arbitrum or something. That's awesome. And uh, I know we've talked about EBTC a little bit, but I don't think we've really done it justice yet to talk about what it is and why it's important. So the EBTC initiative from BadgerDAO, uh, as advertises, a decentralized Bitcoin powered by Ethereum staking. So what the heck is it? And why is it important to um, DeFi to have... Um, a decentralized Bitcoin and how is it more decentralized and censorship resistant and why is that important? The biggest lesson from uh, the whole FTX Alameda collapse was that, uh, you know, unfortunately, Ren BTC, um, which was the, the real only, you know, pseudo decentralized Bitcoin flavor available, um, you know, ended up being minted a lot by Alameda and then Alameda was funding their treasury and, and that sort of thing. So the, the incentives were just, you know, I, I, would, I don't know the way to say it besides centralized. Right. And so Ren sort of, you know, went down very quickly uh, after the FTX uh, collapse. And then the only other, I mean, there's, there's TBTC, which is a very small market cap and, you know, has its own, his own similar issues. Um, and then, you know, WBTC actually is, is fairly, fairly decentralized, but it's, um, it, you know, it's still managed by a centralized organization and, and has centralized players. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, basically there's just nothing, there's nothing in the DeFi space that's sort of, you know, truly decentralized and, and immutable. Right. And so, uh, you know, Badger's taking on, this concept of EBTC, which is essentially leveraging the ETH staking yield. So, you know, if you stake Ethereum, you, you are in some base yield. And what EBTC allows you to do is to take that staked Ethereum and mint a uh, EBTC against it, which is this uh, pegged asset. Uh, and, you know, the way that works is it has minting and burning incentives uh, to you know, hold the peg basically. Um, and yeah, the, the main idea is that there's just not enough ways on Ethereum for people to, you know, get the Bitcoin liquidity they want. And, um, you know, one of the fun parts about EBTC is I know there's a lot of ETH, uh, <laughs> I don't want to call them maxis, but, you know, there's there's a lot of pro-ETH people out there uh, that also don't necessarily think that Bitcoin is going to be a thing in the future. And so this is a fantastic way for those people to go and, uh, you know, express their posi position by being long ETH and uh, shorting Bitcoin. But then the, uh, you know, the next thing that EBTC is trying to accomplish is creating a way for you know, for instance, if you hold EBTC and WBTC, trying to create ways for you to have pure Bitcoin exposure on chain and earn yield, right? So if you're if you're pairing EBTC with WBTC, the uh, you know impermanent loss should be something close to zero, and you should be able to go find yield somewhere. So that that's the the hope of uh, 
you know, spreading eBTC across DeFi. That's awesome. And and you mentioned the use cases of like shorting BTC through borrowing eBTC or generating yields. Um, do you see whether it's eBTC or Bitcoin in general having a critical role in Dow treasuries? And should Dow treasuries be seeking exposure to Bitcoin in any way? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you know, <laughs> sorry, Badger Dow um, has, you know, a, a decent exposure to Bitcoin. I mean, the 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 DAO started as a you know this Bitcoin focused DAO so I that's a, actually a good question I haven't gone and uh, looked explicitly at what other DAOs are holding as far as Bitcoin I do know off the top of my head that uh, there is sort of a lack of Bitcoin holdings amongst um, DAOs and yeah I mean I think it's like sort of my personal opinion that there should be a larger uh, Bitcoin holding uh, for DAOs I think. Uh, you know, one of the most interesting things in all of DeFi is just pairing Bitcoin and Ethereum, right, and earning the yield off of that. Uh, we've we've talked about that several times in in Badger, and it never came to a fruition. But uh, this this EBTC thing uh, might end up, you know, for instance, we we might end up providing uh, EBTC uh, ETH liquidity or even RETH or STETH liquidity somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the reason people shied away from it is because it's this sort of, um, uh, you know, rock, right? They call it like the boomer coin or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a good, in my mind, it's a good runway device, right? You you don't necessarily need to make it a huge part of your portfolio, but it's a nice hedge against stable coins. Um, the problem is with something like WBTC is there's custodial risk, right? And that's why EBTC is, is, is interesting is there's no custodial risk custodial risk for instance when um svb uh you know blew up i had recommended it it didn't end up going through we ended up swapping for lusd but i had recommended to uh the treasury at badger to swap for eth and the reason i said that is uh ethereum is actually the only thing on ethereum as far as i know that doesn't have custodial risk right there's uh uh there's no third party out there that's uh you know generating the value for your ethereum it's uh if you're on chain and you're holding ethereum you have ethereum right you're not gonna you don't have to go ask somebody hey can i get my ethereum where wbtc technically right it's um custodial and so there there is a there is a counterparty risk there uh that being said i do think it's pretty low um but yeah i'm uh, you know ebtc launches uh and there's some decent yield sources for wbtc ebtc um i i mean i i couldn't imagine why most dow treasuries wouldn't be holding some some percentage of that i would agree um and i think we will see a wave of more dow treasuries looking to get exposure to um btc and associated derivatives um but yeah, within the context of Bitcoin and DeFi in the future, BadgerDAO is certainly on the cutting edge, the bleeding edge, and is, is paving the way. But what do you see as the future of Bitcoin DeFi looking like? Um, is EBTC the first step? Is there anything else that needs to be accomplished? What does the utopian future look like for Bitcoin DeFi? Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping my fingers crossed still. I don't know if you've heard of Zero Dow. Uh, they're they're working on this product called ZBTC. I mean, in in my mind, the ideal world would be, uh, a, you know, you have ZBTC working, you have EBTC working, and then you pair those two because, um, you know, Zero Dow is trying to create a decentralized way of bridging 
Bitcoin into Ethereum. Um, th you know, that being said, uh, you know, as we've seen from all these like perps on uh, Binance, etc., um, you know, there is a there is a large demand for, you know, what I call, you know, paper Bitcoin, basically, which, you know, sort of what EBTC is, right? It's, it's expanding the Bitcoin supply onto the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and so if you're able to have that paired with something like ZBTC, which allows you to have a decentralized bridge back to the Bitcoin mainnet, um, you know, I, I could just see that entire thing exploding. Um, it would also be nice to see more flavors of, of Bitcoin come on chain. And I think Badger, you know, is in a great place to take advantage of, uh, of those things. And, and you know, uh, full disclosure, the Badger treasury uh, has a, I think it's like an eight percent claim on the on the zero DAO token so you know it, it is in the badger badger treasury's favor to see zbtc um also you know advance into the future so yeah i'm i i would like to see more and more bitcoin liquidity show up through um new protocols that have been implemented i haven't seen or nothing has crossed my radar um as far as anything else that is interesting besides zbtc and ebtc as far as like um, you know, the idea of keeping a decentralized version of Bitcoin and, and scaling a, a decentralized version of Bitcoin on Ethereum. Do you think that, um, like, what do you think the main blockers are for uh, adoption of Bitcoin DeFi? Uh, I know we talked a little bit earlier about like BTC maxis versus ETH maxis. Um, what do you think is going to bring the next wave of people, whether it's DeFi users or people outside of DeFi into the world of Bitcoin DeFi? Oh man, that's a tough question. I mean, I think uh I think part of why we're in such a big lull right now is is um uh, yeah, I don't know uh, how many people are familiar with like carry trades, right? But it's um you know, it's a trade where you're you're not really you know, you don't really care about the the movement of the price up and down. What you've done is you put yourself in a market neutral position and you're earning um you know, based off of a a difference or a fee or whatever. And so, you know, it was really, really bigly promoted by, you know, people like Gemini, FTX, uh, Alameda, you know, D digital coin group, whatever. We don't need to throw them. We all know what they did. Um, but yeah, they were really promoting this, um, this positive carry trade on Bitcoin where you, you buy, um, you buy the spot and short the futures. Um, and I, you know that brought a lot of people into Bitcoin because you you don't you're not necessarily trying to hold the coin you're just uh, generating volume so you can capture that spread um, and that you know it really went away and then, you know there was a, there was also the thing with like GBTC so you know I I think there there needs to be something that shows up um, that's a little bit more use case for Bitcoin because. I do think that if everyone is just going to hold it as a um, a sort of store value asset, right, then it would make sense in my mind that Dow Treasuries would be only holding, you know, uh, a small percentage of Bitcoin until until the thing becomes more widely adopted. Um, you know, so someone basically needs to come up with something like that positive positive carry trade again um, to to provide yield uh, for Bitcoin holders. Um, you know, one of the things might be just the expansion of derivatives on chain, right? Um, there's a really, really, uh, lacking 
amount of options derivatives. I don't really understand why, because there's a lot of people that have tried to do it and it's failed a million times. And then, yeah, there's just, there's just, uh, you know, now we, we do have these new things, uh, on Arbitrum and, uh, you know, there's like GMX and Hyperliquid and gains where you can, you know, you can get, uh, leverage on Bitcoin and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I just think like the expansion of of derivatives in the uh, in the DeFi ecosystem will probably help Bitcoin. Which I mean, that is exactly what EBTC is, right? Um, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I think that's a pretty hard question. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't really have anything else that's coming to me at the moment. No, that's a, that's a fantastic response, I think. And um, like you mentioned, derivatives. Um, are you employing derivatives or, or options in order to hedge risk or um, like help grow the BadgerDAO treasury? Or do you think the state of derivatives isn't quite there yet where it can be successfully employed within the context of treasury management? Yeah, we actually sold, um, I think it was for five months in a row, we sold 100,000 call options on Badger through Ribbon Finance. Um, and that was a really, really successful program for us. The only reason we ended it was um, we were quite bearish and we wanted a physical settlement on the uh, on the call options. And after FTX blew up, uh, it was hard to find a market maker that would uh, agree to those terms. Um, but yeah, Badger has actually recently um, made a deal with uh, GSR and they're now uh, making markets for us. You can go read about that again in our treasury. All of our treasury decisions are made public 24 hours after they're executed. So you can go uh, read all of them on the Badger forums, actually. But yeah, we we recently sent a um, uh, couple hundred thousand tokens to a market maker um, for some call options, right? So, um, you know, there are options being used. We've, we've pursued a couple of different... Uh, routes of maybe you know buying puts on chain against our ethereum holdings etc um just haven't really been able to find the liquidity that we want or the consistency or the decentralization i mean there's just always been um one of those issues has has arisen and we just haven't found the favorable deals that we want um we have used leverage we hold a uh <laughs> five bitcoin uh i think it's what we 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 bought 1.5 bitcoin against five bitcoin of collateral uh, we've held that position for a long time now um but yeah you know dabbling i guess um haven't really you know found a huge amount of uh of liquidity um i can tell you that my <laughs> non-badger thing that I'm I'm managing uh I I am using derivatives uh but they are all provided by off-chain uh so we, you know we have our our treasury on-chain but um buying options off-chain That's interesting. So um is is Badger Dow's uh treasury 100% on-chain or are you guys also exploring like potentially a, a hybrid on-chain off-chain treasury strategy or is this specific to the other project? Yeah, well so I guess now that we have this market maker um that is officially the first time the badger treasury is now uh technically off chain because we have tokens that are you know lent out that are on centralized exchanges that technically belong to the treasury however like i said there's call options written against them so those tokens themselves don't have to come back to the treasury it could be stable coins um 
So yeah, I mean, I think that's our first real off-chain endeavor. Otherwise, yeah, it's 100% on-chain. And, you know, um, not necessarily treasury stuff, you know, going into another topic is, uh, yeah, paying people, paying organizations and that sort of thing uh, has been a bit of a challenge. We've had to use a lot of, you know, friends and third parties and that sort of thing to uh, facilitate those those payments. Sure. Um, and specific, I guess, more broadly within DeFi, uh, you, you mentioned use cases being needed to drive adoption. But um, what do you see as areas of opportunity or things that really excite you about the future of crypto and DeFi? I mean, the entire space excites me. I mean, it to me, it feels like um, when FTX blew up, basically that, you know, sort of put a stall into things. But I, you know, I don't think DeFi even really got out of the beta phase, right? I mean, uh, uh, there's there's very little things that have been established and, and working well. And I, yeah, I see the space as, as having, you know, a thousand more rabbit holes that it's going to go down, right? Um, I mean, you know, the, the recent uni v4 or uni x or whatever you call it i mean that's really cool i think um my personal experience using arbitrum has been fantastic i mean these you know uh these side chains like uh optimism base whatever they're the user experience is 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 definitely much nicer the liquidity just isn't there um so yeah i mean uh, you know seeing seeing somebody solve the problem of segregated liquidity um people figuring out how to bridge better or, or create safer bridges. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm just really excited about all the sort of stuff that hasn't been thought of yet. And, and, you know, no one's, no one's even going to think about it until, you know, a year or two from now and somebody says, Hey, look at this protocol. And everyone's like, Holy crap, that's amazing. Um, you know, not, not to just like sit here and like advertise other protocols, but you know, um, GMX and, and those sorts of flavors were a huge step in my mind in DeFi for uh, just the user experience. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think like cleaning up the user experience um, is really nice uh, and, and can be nice across like the entire DeFi space. Um, and then, yeah, just just the other protocols that people haven't thought of yet, because, you know, uh, a lot of what DeFi has been so far has just been like copying TradFi. Um, but then there's things like curve finance and convex, right. That are, that are very different, um, than, you know, what goes on in TradFi. Um, and so, yeah, some, some of those things like starting to emerge and, and saying, okay, this is actually like, this is DeFi. This is not something you can just go back to like a traditional market and get a, a copy of or whatever. What about Dow tooling or, uh, services and operations that you think are missing specific to treasury management or just financial operations of DAOs? Oh man, I mean the DAO space is uh is another conundrum. I mean we've been talking about like treasury, but um yeah, I mean the whole the whole concept of a DAO I think in the next two or three years is going to be iterated on even more. Um you know, for instance, like um everyone uses snapshot right now to you know do their voting. Um but then, you know, people that have done on-chain voting have had issues um i need to read more about o snap which has it's like a sort of hybrid solution um but but yeah i mean there's these things like you know sybil attacks and um you know the, the issue that we've seen in the bear market is that 
um, everyone sold the tokens too cheap, and then you had a few entities pick up the tokens. And so now a lot of DAOs, uh, more than ever, have, have their tokens, especially established DAOs, have their tokens concentrated in few people's hands. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how all of that is going to play out or resolve itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, tooling wise, um, I think there's just like, uh, actually, you know, who does a really good job is like, um, Ave and even like Olympus style of, of just, you know, having these, uh, dashboards where you can come in and see what's going on, uh, decisions that have been made, how the team's getting paid. I mean, uh, oh yeah. Year in finance has a really good, uh, um, you know, user display for for the how how the DAO is operated. Um, off the top of my head, I can't give you like very specifics, but but I think just in general that sort of you know bridging that gap between the member of the DAO and the um, you know more sophisticated, dedicated um, team of the DAO, basically, um, so that it feels like more of a you know single piece and you know, there's visibility, uh, more visibility, that sort of thing. Um, I think that that would bring a lot of value to, to these tokens too, if, if people can understand better um, what they can be doing with them and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and funny you bring up OSNAP. We're actually bringing on uh, the UMA team in the next episode to talk about what OSNAP is. Oh, with, great. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, loving the flow between, uh, you know, Steakhouse talking about EBTC to Badger talking about it and then handoff to OSNAP. So, yeah, listeners are going to get a great progression here over the next couple episodes. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned just or transparency in reporting, uh, creating dashboards where folks can analyze the treasury, inflows, outflows, assets, liabilities in a very transparent way. And I actually think that is really important, not just uh, for DAO members to understand what, how decisions are actually resulting in ROI and uh, creating impact, but also to attract future investment in the token. Because um, I, I don't know if you've run into a situation before, you're doing research on like a DAO's treasury or kind of a, you know token economics, inflows, outflows, all that good stuff. And you just can't find the information easily. And that's a huge red flag. They're just like, hey, check out this address or hey, here's this uh, spreadsheet, which doesn't really make sense where we're analyzing everything specific to our token and treasury. Um, transparency is key. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we covered a lot of bases here. Um, and Hal, thanks so much for going into BadgerDAO, your experience, how you see the treasury management discipline and space evolving, BTC, DeFi, EBTC project from BadgerDAO, uh, as well as opportunity in the space. Um, so we like to conclude by asking um, any advice for the folks listening who are in, um, they're either DAO contributors, treasury managers, or folks that actually want to get into the DAO space. Uh, what sage wisdom would you like to impart them as you're departing from this podcast? I would just say go read our uh, our treasury decisions, right? I mean, uh, BIP89 on our forums, the Badger, uh, you know, Badger Improvement Proposal that created the Treasury Council, um, and then... Yeah, all of our decisions and uh, a lot of them are really, you know, they go in depth with background of why we got into the position and, and, and our risk management and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, the the only other thing that I would say is like, you know, just what, what's the Nike, right? right? Just do it. Like, I mean, just literally, you know, um, this is a really new industry, right? There's not a lot of... Um, established veterans at this point so uh, if you just get your hands dirty um you know uh, like i said i did it by literally going and 
you know, volunteering until they started paying me. Um, so yeah, I, you know, get, find your favorite project, find something that excites you. Um, if you're, if you already know all this stuff about, you know, treasury management and that sort of thing, then just dive in and, and do it. And otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, the Badger forums are really, really great resource for, uh, for our thinking around our decisions that we've made. Ear to ear, folks. Best way to get involved is to just start, uh, well, getting involved and getting off from the sidelines. Um, well, Hal, thanks so much for the time today on Diversified. We really appreciate your perspective and look forward to checking back in once uh, EBTC uh, takes flight for BadgerDAO. Um, and so with that, Hal, thanks again, but also thank you to the listeners for tuning in to this episode of Diversified. Uh, we'll provide show notes and details from all the topics that we covered here today. And we hope you listen in uh, to the next episode.